Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Racer Nation podcast. My name is Sawyer Lawson, and I'll be one of your co-hosts on the growing Racer Nation podcast network. Here with me live in beautiful Murray, Kentucky, is former star point guard from Murray High School, Mr. Logan Foster. And also broadcasting live from downtown St. Louis is former star of the Racer Band Drumline, Mr. Austin Blakely. Yeah, Sawyer, those were some fun years in the drumline. Logan, I know you were the star point guard of the Murray High Tigers. Those were the, the glory years, right? That's what I'm known for. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, guys, we've got a huge show for you, uh, for everyone today. Uh, we're really excited about this. This is our first guest, and it's a big one. I tell you what, guys, if you haven't seen it yet in the title of the episode, from the Racer Radio Network, Kenny Roth. We are so excited for Kenny to be joining us uh, to get an inside look at the racers coming up, get his takes on a few things, and uh, maybe even have a little fun with him, asking him some questions. So, uh, we don't want you guys to wait any longer. Starting off, here's Kenny Roth. We want to welcome in um, a special guest for us this evening. Uh, and in our opinion, this is going to be a future Racer Hall of Famer for his work as an assistant coach with the men's basketball program from 1991 to 1995 with head coach Scott Edgar, along with being the associate and interim athletic director from 1999 to 2005. So, now, nowadays, all you all know him as the color commentator for the racers, but we simply know him as a leader, a mentor, and a really good friend. So, welcome to the Racer Nation podcast, Mr. Kenny Roth. Thank you, guys. What an honor to get to uh, be the first guest on the Racer Nation podcast. I've been a faithful listener the uh, the first two first two episodes, and um, I'm I'm honored to be uh, asked to join you. And uh, just to remind uh, your listeners of um, the your basketball uh, background, all three of you were stalwarts on the Murray Middle Tigers. That, <laughs> That's uh, right. I was fortunate enough to to coach and and uh, back in the day. And so, uh, congratulations! It takes a lot of courage for you guys to get out and start something new like this, and uh, it's being well received. I promise. Hey, Kenny, we really appreciate that, and man, thanks for your support. Um, you know, somebody like you has a lot of pull with the Racer Nation because they hear you 30-plus times a year on the radio, so they know if it's coming from you, uh, it's worth a listen. So we sure really do appreciate that. And so jumping right into it, we know the listeners want to talk racer basketball, and that's, of course, what we want to do. So obviously last year, so-so year, kind of up and down, had, had some games we looked really good. And some days, obviously, we want to forget, too. So just coming into this new year, you know, what's something you want to see or a couple things you want to see right out of the gate from this year's team to kind of right the ship, get us going on the right direction? I think the biggest uh, issue that um, was part of the problem last year, and, and there were some great stretches of play during the year, but the, the leadership on the team never really was able to emerge, I think, and and fill the void that um, had been the previous year. And and obviously, K.J. Williams and Tevin Brown are, are going to be, um, you know, looked to to be the leaders on the team. And they're they're relatively quiet leaders anyway. And I know Coach McMahon is, is pushing them to be more vocal, um, to, you know, to, to fill that leadership piece. And the other the other piece that was that was uh, so tough last year was Coach McMahon's teams are constantly built on culture and relationships. And because of COVID, 
You know, there was none of that in the summer and the fall. And all the other teams had the same issue. But I think Coach McMahon's teams are so – that that piece and that component is so important that they – they never really could get that great chemistry on and off the floor as a team. And fortunately this year, I think what he's done in recruiting is to be able to um, to add some seasoned leaders that have playing experience at a high level. And the, the team is, is going to get older in a, in a hurry with the addition of the new players. Yeah, I think that's super important. And year after year, you know, we have all these one and dones that you see all all through college basketball, your Kentuckys, Dukes. But a lot of times, you know, it's those older teams, your Gonzagas, um, Villanova's, teams like that, that are the ones cutting the nets down at the end of the year. So um, I think they, like you said, they really filled those holes, you know, only once, you know, true senior last year. And um, that that really did show for sure. The... um the, the pieces that they've brought, you know, what I what I really like about the team is the depth that we're going to have this year as a team. And um, it, it's funny as through the years, uh, Coach Prom and I used to argue about. You know, I, I'm from I'm from working for Coach Richardson and Coach Edgar, where we we had loved nine, ten, eleven people ready to play, and um, and Coach Prom and I used to argue that you know that was difficult to manage because of playing time, but, mm-hmm. and that is a problem, but when you have depth like this team has every day in practice, the competition is getting all the players better. And, and I just, I think that's so important so that if you do have injuries down the stretch or now with COVID related missed games, that you've got guys that are ready to step in and, and there's going to be competition for playing time on this team. I mean, this is a, there's, you know, there's existing players that have played a lot of minutes and a lot of important minutes. Uh, and then the newcomers that are coming in, uh, believe me, they're going to take some minutes. And so I, I think that is uh, I think that's a great problem to have for coach McMahon and his staff is trying to find minutes, but it's going to pay off for the team down the stretch. Um, my first question, and this should be a pretty easy one, but what do we call you? Do we call you coach? Do we call you Mr. Roth? Do we call you racer Roth? Well, you now, Logan, you, you, you call me coach, but now if I see you roll your eyes at me one time, like you did in practice in seventh grade, <laughs> then I'll have to run. You know? <laughs> so... So I, I was I was making a great point in practice to the seventh grade team. We were getting ready to play Callaway County, and I had them all in talking about the importance of this practice. And 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 Logan Foster looks at Jay Roth and rolls his eyes. Like, Can you believe we've got to listen to this tonight? Seventh grade. So I, I blew my whistle. And I said, let's get on the line. Let's 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 let, <laughs> let's let Logan rolling eyes run some sprints and everybody join him. And so you can still call me coach, though. So that's that that'll be fine. Okay, coach. Well, you mentioned that you watched the team a little bit, and I guess it's kind of like this every year, but more so in a year where so many kids are transferring. 
half of the team is new. And so a lot of fans don't really know what to expect. What have you seen from the team so far and who kind of sticks out to you? Well, I, I think that the, the balance is going to be something we haven't seen in a while where we, I, I believe we could have four, maybe five guys averaging double figures this season, which um, is, is wow. going to be going to be great. Um, you know, from, from a preparation standpoint, the, the addition of Carter Collins and Skipper Brown um, are probably the, the two newcomers, I think, that are going to be the toughest to, to keep out of the starting lineup or, or playing a lot of minutes. Uh, Carter Collins, you know, transferred from Davidson. Uh, he's a lefty, a real smooth, fluid player, not, a, uh, not an explosive blow-by-you athlete but really knows how to play and has got great, great depth shooting the basketball. Um, just I, I think when you have him and, and Tevin on two wings, it's going to be very difficult from a scouting standpoint to try to take one of them away offensively. Um, and uh, Skipper Brown is just a crazy athlete. He, he – uh, He's 6'6", but he plays, you know, 6'8 or 6'9", long arms, really explosive. Uh, gets off the floor, uh, can score in the paint, uh, runs the floor well. Uh, you know, if you remember, Eastern Illinois came in uh, last year, and uh, we couldn't do anything with him. Uh, he was yeah, they're, they're he really was, the last four games against us. Yeah, he's a. Uh, he, he's, uh, I think he's going to have a great impact. Um, and I tell you, uh, you know, I, I like the, the addition of um, Trey Hannibal from South Carolina. Um, he's a hard playing dude, man. He just, he's one of those guys that, that he, he can play the point. He can play the off guard. He can play the three. He really can defend probably one to four, but he's one of those guys you want on the team. He is every loose ball, tough, looks like he could play outside linebacker, you know, for, for nice. the for the racer football team. But I think he's gonna bring some toughness to the team like Shaq Buchanan, uh, that has, you know, that, that's gonna be probably the premier defender on the team and take some of that pressure off of Tevin too. That's um, huge. Yeah. And, and then Juice Hill has had a has had a great summer and fall. Um, you know, I thought late in the year last year, he really came on and started playing more under control. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he, at times I thought he tried to, to look to score too much early in the year. And so um, I, I really think we've got a lot of options um, with those guys. And, and there's, you know, you can keep on going down the roster. There's, there's a lot of depth with the team. Kenny, do you think that depth with the front court – is going to allow us to kind of push the ball and run more. I know in the last couple of years, we may not have had the ball handlers and stuff after jaw to really get out and be the running racers that, uh, you know, that, that the fans really like to see and what's really been a really good brand of basketball for us. So with that, with that depth, you think we're going to see some more of that this year? Yeah. And I think the key is, is really, you know, the point guard play of, of having them more uh, equipped to go from defense to offense in a hurry. Um, 
the bigs can run the floor well. Uh, I think we'll, you know, we'll see some of that where we'll see KJ Williams, Skipper Brown, um, you know, McMullen, some of the those guys being able to stretch the floor in transition. And I, I really think defensively, uh, this team should be outstanding. And so being able to get some easy baskets off of our defense will be will be real important. I, I think that's huge too, just looking forward and knowing we're gonna have some full seats in the CFSB center again. And that's that's what the team that's what the fans feed off of, those easy baskets, dunks, open three point shots from a prolific Tevin Brown three point shooter and getting the fans going, getting the team going probably going to transfer into a lot of wins in the uh in the racer win column so uh kind of moving on from the from the team a little bit thanks for that insight because i know like logan said a lot of the fans don't get that anywhere else so we're glad we can bring bring a little insight and thank you for that um we talked a lot last episode about the non-conference schedule and sawyer really did a great job of diving into each team and giving us a breakdown of you know what we're going to see from them uh just wanted to hear your thoughts on you know you can if you if you want to talk about a couple but Really, what's your favorite game? Uh, I'm sure, sure the Naples tournament's not too, not too sad if you're going to be heading down there for that. But um, any other games stick out to you, Kenny? Yeah, I have in my contract that all, all the warm weather tournaments I, I attend. That you know, when we went to South Dakota a few years, Neil likes to remind me that that uh, that that I didn't make that trip. Uh, when it was like 20 below zero up there, but but I think you got a great the, agent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, the the schedule I think is is very difficult. Um, a lot of you know tough mid major games, um, and then you obviously you throw on the the Memphis and Auburn trips, uh, and both of those teams may be in the top ten in the country when we play them. Um, yeah. Memphis will be for sure, and and Auburn very well could be. Uh, and so those those are going to be difficult games, um, but we've proven that you know we can we can go on the road and, and play well in those type environments. I tell you two that I really look forward to that I think will be a good gauge for us is going on and going on the road in in the Missouri Valley and having to play Illinois State early in the season. So that's November sixteenth. Um, they're they're always going to be very talented there. They're very athletic. Um, and, and, and we all know that the Missouri Valley is, you know, is a, from top to bottom is a, is a step up for us as far as level of competition. And so how we play there, I think will be important. Then I'm anxious to see us come home in December and play Chattanooga here. Chattanooga will be picked, uh, you know, to probably be first or second in the Southern conference, very talented, a lot of, a lot of good players there. Uh, so being able to see how we go on the road and play at home against like competition, you know, in in Chattanooga and um, and Illinois State, I think will will be important. You know, the, the other piece that's going to be uh, great for the fans is, you know, we really don't know if we're going to play Austin P in Belmont after this season. And yeah. so I would I would say that it's going to be electric, uh, you know, when we play those games in the bank. Yeah, and that's that's the last two weekends of the year, uh, both Thursday nights, probably going to be TV games. Uh, for sure, the Belmont game, 
being on a Thursday night, it's probably an ESPNU game for sure. They just hadn't announced any of that stuff yet. So, uh, yeah, I would, I would think so. I was really surprised that those weren't Saturday games mm-hmm. because, you know, most a lot of the times they've had those games on Saturdays where the TV then has, you know, multiple time slots to play some. So I, I hope you're right. I hope we get yeah. some TV exposure there. Yeah, for sure. Coach, um, we're new to this whole media game, but we are media personalities, as you are. And so we're trying to learn a few things about this as we go along. So my first question, it's a two-parter. Do you have any pregame rituals that you go through? And two, what's your preparation like for a game? So uh, I'm fortunate that, that getting to work with Neil Bradley is amazing. Uh, he, he, I always was aware of how good Neil was, but, but being with him and seeing, um, what all he does, um, from a preparation standpoint has really helped me, um, on, on how to approach, you know, what I do on, on the basketball broadcast. Um, he, he is phenomenal. He, he could, he could broadcast at any level. Uh, I'm convinced college, NBA, you know, whatever it is, he is, what he does is to be able to articulate in real time what is happening on the court is, is just, you know, I tell him all the time that he says, well, you know, if something happened, you could step in and do that. You can't know that that's a skill (laughs) that is just, I mean, and now there's video over the top of it. So, the, you know, used two years ago, he, you could play-by-play guys could make it up and nobody would know. <laughs> but, but now, you know, there's video patched over the top of it. And he's he's phenomenal. And he, he uh, you know, he sets it up for me to, to be able to get in and make a few points here and there. But, um, you know, what's what's uh, very helpful for me is Coach McMahon and his staff allow me to to sit, uh, you know, in on their shoot arounds when they're going through the scouting report uh, and on the road. It's phenomenal. I, they you know, I, that's when I get my basketball geekness out is I, <laughs> I get to sit in the their meetings when they're going over everything that they're going to do. And, and Coach McMahon's great about that. So that that helps prepare a lot. So. Um, you know, trying to watch the teams that we play in advance some and, and seeing as much film, but then just being able to, um, you know, for you guys being able to, to be around the team as much as you can and, and watch. And I, you know, I think there's probably more opportunities for you to do that than you think. Now, what we got to do is we got to get Dave Winder to get your credentials. So then, you know, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Then you go to the press conference and you, you fire those hard questions at Coach McMahon after the game. And, you know, now Logan, in, Logan would be kicked out so fast. He, yeah. Logan would not make one press conference. Because Lo- Logan, Logan's question would be, you know, Coach, now late in the game, th- did you know the spread was three and a half? <laughs> when when you were holding the ball oh, there and we, we needed to win by four? What, what was going through your mind at that point? <laughs> I think I may ask something like, Coach McMahon, 
why aren't you taking pointers from Coach Roth about how to get thrown out of games? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a bad day, wasn't it? Golly. <laughs> who, gets, who gets thrown out of a seventh grade, seventh grade basketball game? I mean, <laughs> so so I, I saw one of the Callaway players that played in this in that game this weekend and the first thing he did came up and said hey how you doing coach man i still remember that night that, that you got thrown out at callaway in the middle school I'm like, oh, thank, thanks a lot yeah good to see you too oh man that's awesome yeah that was uh that was that that wasn't one of my best days uh you'll have that well so kind of circling back to to the questions about um you know the broadcasting that Logan has, has mentioned. First off, you know, we from all three of us, we want to say, you know, how lucky we are to have you and Neil on the broadcast. We unfortunately have the opportunity to listen to half the OVC broadcasters um, from other schools um, on ESPN+. Plus. Um, but I think we've kind of got it down now where we just kind of mute that and listen on the Froggy app to listen to you guys. Um, but we truly are blessed to have you guys as uh, as the people who, who tell us what's going on during the games and make it a joy to, joy to listen to. So, you know, on behalf of us, we just want to tell you thank you. Well, thank you, Sawyer. It, it, uh, it, I really do enjoy it. It is a lot more work than I thought it would be, um, you know, for 30 games. But um, it, what's great about it is it, uh, it, it keeps me around the game, and, and I don't have 18-year-old kids deciding my fate, <laughs> how I'm going <laughs> to feed my family anymore. But, I, you know, I'm undefeated over there. I hadn't, I hadn't lost a game in seven years. <laughs> awesome all right well <clears throat> just moving along here we're going to move into um, the sauce selection so this has been something that we've had fun with in the past just some hypotheticals and just really getting people's opinion um so first off we want to ask you last week's sauce selection question so um we all threw out some of our favorite games in recent memory from racer history favorite home games and we wanted to pose that question to you. So either what was the, your most favorite game that you enjoyed watching as a fan or your most fun game that you were able to call? So um, I'll, I'll take you back into into the early 90s in Racer Arena when I was coaching. Great, good, good. Part of, uh, part of what what the, uh, the game plan was for home games was is that, you know, the, the, the home team always has their shoot-around five hours before the game and then you go immediately to a pregame meal which is four hours before the game and so the visitors have already had their practice and so when we would leave racer arena after our shoot around scott edgar would make sure one of the managers went over to the thermostat and made sure that heat was on about 85 <laughs> so it would it would heat yes. up in there from three o'clock to seven o'clock and, you know, by the time you put 5,000 fans in Racer Arena and we started pressing for 30 minutes, then, you know, it, it was it was awful. And I can remember <laughs> I can remember fans talking about why is it so hot in there? Why, you know, what's wrong with it? Well, well Edgar, was, Edgar was turning up the thermostat, you know, every home game there. And so uh, that was that was a lot of fun, I think, in recent memory. And, and I heard you guys touching on this last week. Um, that black that bracket buster game with St. Mary's was just a, a phenomenal day. Uh, from from the team was you know playing fantastic. Coach Prohm's rookie year, 
you've got star power and Isaiah Cannon and uh, Matthew Delladova was, you know, two pros. Uh, you got Dickie V in the house. And I was like, you guys, I went over four or five hours before the game and snuck in the back for shoot around and acted like I was supposed to be there. And I wasn't doing radio then. And, uh, <laughs> and so it was, uh, it was just, it was a fantastic atmosphere. Now, now I think, you know, I think that can be duplicated. I think we're going to see these these Austin P and this Belmont home games this year be phenomenal because I think fans are going to, you know, wonder if if we may not play them for a decade or so. Now we might maybe be be playing Belmont, you know, uh, here down the road, but you don't know. And so uh, we, we'll see how how that goes. But but that was a that was a special day uh man was it loud in there that day i'm telling you it was just it was uh it was such a great home court advantage and i tell you what i loved was you know we always felt when we left racer arena that you lost some of that home court advantage uh just because the seats are pushed back you know 20 feet from the floor it's it's uh you know it, the the upper level seats are are, are not great and and so but, but I really think during that year is when the bank became a difficult place to play. Uh, and Coach McMahon's talked about it, and I didn't really realize, I guess, for the life of the bank, uh, it's where the top 10 winning percentage in the country for yep. however mm-hmm. many years that, uh, what is it now? It's 20... 24? 24? Yeah, I think, I think so. 90, 98. So 98, it's, been, it's been a great home court. You know, um, the, the the old timers and you guys were, were babies when the race arena action was going on. But uh, it was so tight in there that that people, you know, it was just difficult to play. Uh, Dave Luce used to tell the story that he was an assistant at, at Memphis and coming into race arena to play. And uh, and Elliot Perry was a great player, play, played in the NBA for a long time. But he came over to the bench and he said, Coach, every time I'm throwing the ball inbounds on the far side, the students are pulling the hair on the back of my legs when I'm, when I'm throwing the ball inbounds. <laughs> Coach Luce said, I just told him, well, just do the best you can. You know, there's, there's, uh, I can't help you there. So That's awesome. Yeah, so the atmosphere is great, um, but I think the thing that separates us apart is, is our fan base. I was reading an article that was published last year for the Grizzlies, and they've got a really young team, but they made the playoffs last year, and they didn't have a full capacity and all those things, but the author of the article was saying our fans, they just they didn't expect us to be here, so it's hard for them to get to that level. This is what we do at Murray State. I mean, we're we're built for this. This is what this is who we are, and just going crazy in the stands is just part of our DNA. So I know, as Austin, as you as you mentioned, you know, whenever everybody's able to get back at the bank this year, it's going to be rocking. And as I suspect, as Kenny you, you mentioned, those two games against P and Belmont will be, you know, the roof might come off that place. Yeah, I think that we'll we'll see. Uh, my understanding is there's going to be full capacity. Um, yeah. And that's not going to be a problem at this point. And I think uh, fans are, are ready. You know, they're 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 wanting to be involved. And and this is going to be an entertaining team. Uh, I really feel like that 
this is a team that's going to contend for a championship and uh and there's going to be a lot of excitement with you know with with returning to great players uh you know Tevin Brown and, and KJ could end up from from a record standpoint could end up you know shattering some or at least being in the top you know six or eight of, of scoring rebounded I mean these those two got a lot of games under their belts, and I expect great things out of them. I tell you, the other day in practice, KJ was phenomenal on the low block. He uh, he just he's really comfortable down there now with his back to the basket. Um, it's I think we're going to have a lot of fun in the bank this year. That's awesome. All right, so moving into this week's um, Saul selection. We wanted to pose a question to you, Kenny, and then to all of our listenership to highlight a player from recent memory who may not have filled up the stat sheet necessarily, but they definitely impacted one stat and the one stat that truly matters, winning. So this week's soft selection is who is the hardest playing racer in, ra- in recent memory? We wanted to call this the Anthony Davis or Anthony, I'm sorry, Anthony Smith part of the program. Um, but we have so many different players we could highlight. Um, we wouldn't even have a chance to go over Mr. Smith. Uh, we wanted to honor him in this capacity. So um, uh, we just wanted to, to pose that question to you guys um, about who was the hardest playing racer in recent memory. Uh, we'll all share our picks, but Kenny, we wanted you to lead it off. Well, it, it mine's uh, going back, you know, a ways uh, of a guy that, that was, uh, that produced, um, you know, the stats were backed it up, but, but played harder than anyone that I had ever coached. And that was Marcus Brown. Mm. He, uh, he came in as a freshman, uh, when we recruited him, he was a six, two post player in high school. And, uh, I literally, I told him the other day in practice, I literally never watched him shoot the basketball outside of 15 feet when we recruited him just because he never his team pressed he was he was such a great jumper he played basically played center um and so we weren't expecting him to be able to to really shoot the ball you know behind the three-point line uh but just amazing what a player he turned into you know his his first game as a racer we opened up and then they, at that time, they had what was called the preseason NIT, and they had 16 teams in the country that were invited to that. And Indiana was number one in the country, and we played them in Bloomington and started him as a true freshman there, Garden Calvert Cheney, who played in the NBA for 10 years. But you look at Marcus's career; he had he, so he had 19 games over 30 points in his career. Just, just phenomenal <laughs> score, uh, you know, but, but he was a great, he was our best press player, uh, phenomenal playing center field in, in, in our one, two, one, one press that we ran. And he was a like, he was like jaw that he was just fearless in the paint and, and wanted to, you know, to try to, to dunk on you if he could, you know, I, I thought the best game that he played, we played Memphis in racer arena they were very good. They were top 25 in the country, and uh, and he just took over the game. He was he was phenomenal. Ended up being you know OVC Player of the Year two times. Was uh, three time All OVC. Uh, I didn't really realize this till he and I were talking. But he led the OVC in scoring two years in a row. Um, just and for for what was amazing for a guy that wasn't a three point shooter ever, he ended up. 
Uh, he ended up one year, shot 43% behind the line. You know, really, really shot it well, too. But just a warrior. And, and I, I'm really excited that, that the racers have him on their staff now because he's, you know, every player that the racers have want to follow the path that he did. And that's be able to have a, a, a great college career, uh, get drafted, have the opportunity to play in the NBA. He played three years in the NBA, uh, but then went to Europe and, and is the all-time American leading scorer in the Euro League, which is mm-hmm. high-level basketball. Um, so, so he'd have to be mine, um, you know, um, I, th- I think naming the award Anthony Smith is is uh, is you're you're right on target there because man, what a hard playing guy he was. I just uh, I loved him. Another one that that I would put in that category is Jonathan Farrell. Jonathan was was the same type guy. Just just gave you everything that that he had. Um, um, you know, played so hard. I saw an old picture that I, I don't know what the heck was wrong with me, but you know, he started wearing headbands and, and, and so his senior night, I wore a headband over there in honor of him while we were doing the game. And I was like, what was that? Why didn't somebody tell me I looked like over there? But, what a great young man he was. Uh, I just, I love that. Absolutely. Kid. Yeah, there was many a nice that Austin and myself and uh, Alex Hopewell, another loyal listener, hung out with Cam and Jarvis and Jonathan on the back of a tailgate outside of our fraternity house, just talking till the early hours, just hanging out. Just a couple, just just great guys. That's awesome. All right, guys, yeah. I, I will I will jump into mine next. Just the way we well, had real, it on the sheet. Real here. quick, Salt. Real quick, Salt. Oh, Kenny, yeah, I'm sure. glad. Kenny, I'm glad you. You know, Marcus, great, great pick. I was knee high to the grasshopper when he played, but. I still, you know, my mom and dad talking about him, and obviously, is, but I'm glad you brought up about him being in the building and on the staff now. I think that's, and we we kind of touched on it with recruiting last week with getting Justin Morgan. Obviously, he played some kind of role there, but I think we lost a great coach in Shane Nichols, and Shane's a great dude, great coach. Glad he's back with his brother because I think that family connection. But man, to replace him with a guy like like Marcus Brown, I mean, you can't. Can't do much better than that. So yeah, and yeah. what Marcus is going to be able to do is is I really think he's going to help our current coaches too, and uh, because he he he's at a point in his life he does, he's not trying to prove anything, mm-hmm. so he he's you know he's comfortable in whatever role that he has, but the experience as a head coach, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at at largest one of the largest high schools in the state of Arkansas in West Memphis. Um, and been very successful there, uh, coaching good players, you know, there playing with good players. Uh, when he was a player, I, I, I think he's, I think he's gonna be able, and, and and he's so he's so humble, uh, which I love about him. Um, yeah. You know that he's gonna he's gonna be a great resource for the current players. Awesome, great, great, good point there, Austin. All right, so moving into moving into this the selection that I had for this week, um, and Kenny, I want to hear any stories um, that you've got on this guy because you know Austin Logan and myself were, were really were really younger whenever he was playing, um, but just off of the, all the old all the old videos that I've been able to see and highlights and things, uh, my selection was Isaac Spencer, um, OBC newcomer of the year, freshman year, 
And he went on to be the second player in Murray State basketball history to be named to the All-OBC team for four consecutive years. I mean, but there's more. I mean, he brought it every single night. Um, he was second all-time in points scored, fifth all-time in games played, most minutes ever played as a racer. Just in case you were wondering, that's 4,285, which averaged 34 minutes per game. Holy cow. Fifth all-time in rebounding, third all-time in offensive rebounds, 13th all-time in assists, <laughs> fifth all-time in blocks, fourth all-time in free throws made, second all-time in field goals made, um, with a, uh, at shooting at a clip of 54.2% for his career. That's 12% better than Tevin Brown. Okay. <laughs> he won 76 games as a racer overall, 81% of them conference games. Um, and was a two-time NCAA tournament appearance, two-time OBC uh, tournament champion, and also ushered in the uh, Tavester Anderson year, huge year to bridge the gap between um, he, he and uh, Coach Godfrey. So when I think of Isaac Spencer, I think of the guy who did it all, but then I think of it as a guy who left it all on the court. So it's not just filling up one stat, but it's <laughs> all of them. And the true epitome of, um, of a team player and someone who literally played his heart out for the racers with just the you know the minutes per game, the minutes played as a racer. I mean, how is that guy's jersey not up in the rafters? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, that's a great point, Sawyer, because he you talking about a warrior now, and and he he from the day he stepped on campus, his body was equipped for college basketball and so there was no there was no uh you know needed time for him to to be able to you know to to get bigger and stronger he showed up six six two twenty looked chiseled i mean just ready to go and uh and had had great skill on the low block but just uh, a phenomenal rebounder and one of those guys that that thought every every shot was going to be a miss and so he was constantly going to the glass uh, Love that what quote. A, a lot of fans don't remember is um at that time um academically he had to sit out his first year here but the ncaa uh incorporated uh a rule that if you got if the players then played their other three years, but could graduate in that four-year period, then you were awarded that extra year on the back end. And so he essentially – Prop 48, is that what it was? Yeah, sure was. So he essentially, uh, you know, had two senior nights because everyone (laughs) everyone thought that he was going to be through playing. Well, then he graduated and – I remember I was working in athletics then, and, and the, the schedule poster had a big picture of Isaac Spencer all sweaty holding the basketball, and, and all all we had over the top of it was, he's back. <laughs> so I love it. Was, it. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was, uh, I just loved watching him play, man, and he was such a great teammate, uh, Was was always eager to share the basketball, but uh, I tell you, when you when you look at great players in the OVC that played in the low post, he he reminds me of how Bubba Wells played mm-hmm. at Austin P. Just uh, mm-hmm. just a tough, athletic, really undersized post player at six five six six, but could score over the top of six eight six nine guys all day long. 
Logan, Austin, do you have any memories of uh, Isaac Spencer or anything that you want to add before we'll move on to uh, to Austin's pick? Man, I just think all those all those years where we just dominated the OVC. I mean, th- those were the OVC domination years. And, you know, if I remember right, and I was, you know, young, but that's when the first round of the OVC tournament would be at the home, the home sites of the higher seed. And uh, yeah, just going yeah. going to those games, and it, it was it was there at the bank every year. And uh, man, just a lot of wins, a lot of trips to Bridgestone Arena, and uh, well, Gaylord Entertainment Center, I think back then or whatever it was. But uh, man, just a lot of fun times as a racer fan for sure. Just one point on that: I was five, six years old when James was at Murray, and. I do vaguely remember him. I just remember him, like you guys were saying, all around fantastic player, could do it all. And, um, you know, he, that's going to bring, uh, well, after Austin, my, my pick of the week for Saul's selection actually played with James Singleton. So you go ahead, Logan. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, well, I've actually got two this week. One special <laughs> for Coach Roth. My first one um, in recent memory, and a lot of our fans are going to resonate with this pick. And really, who could forget this guy? Francis Watrous, um, that played for the Racers in the 1950s. Uh, unforgettable years. Um, he led he leads Murray State all-time in fouls called. And if I learn one thing from Coach Roth, it's that you can measure how hard you're playing by how many fouls you get called. And so back when back when I was in middle school, me and, and Coach Roth's son, Jay, were big buddies. And so we always played on the same team. And I think this was back when we were in Little League. And after a game at Murray Middle, we get into Kenny's truck and Jay hops in the front seat and says, Dad, I got three fouls that game. <laughs> I was just thinking, are you kidding me? Like, what, what are you doing celebrating fouls? And I said, Coach, I got zero fouls. And he said, yeah, it's because you didn't play hard enough. <laughs> and ever since then, <laughs> I have associated getting fouls with how hard you're playing. And so Francis Watrous, uh, rest in peace. But, you know, he was a hardworking player, obviously, Showed up in uh, the history books for rebounding and led the uh, racers all time in fouls. But uh, my my real pick would be Cuthbert Victor. Um, it, like I was talking about James, he I was young, but it seemed like he could just do everything. And going back and looking at stats, I mean, second all time in offensive rebounding, being six foot five. Um, sixth all time in total rebounds. He uh, leads the the history for Murray State in block shots, and he played some of his years with Isaac Spencer. So a lot of rebounds and blocks, I'm sure, were taken from him um, yeah. because of how good Isaac was. And so I just always thought he was a little undersized, but that didn't stop him from getting in there and doing the dirty work and um really making his impact shown on all levels of the game. You know, Cuthbert was uh, was recruited by Tavester Anderson. Tavester was the head coach 
of the uh, Virgin Islands national team. And he had he had watched Cuthbert come up through. And when Cuthbert was a freshman here, he was 17 years old, didn't turn 18 until the summer after his freshman year. So he was really, really young for um, for a college freshman. But, uh, man, what a what a, a, a great instinct he had at going and getting the basketball and, and turned into being a very good scorer too. his last two years. Um, mm-hmm. always had great shot selection, but, you know, knew what his role was scoring, but ended up, uh, and, and being an all OVC player, his, at least his senior year, I think. Yeah. Averaged a double, double 14.6 points, 10 rebounds a game. Wow. And yeah, I remember like, like we said, we were, we were young during those years, but when you're 10, 11 years old, and when he was in the starting lineup, they'd always say he was from the Virgin Islands. I, you know, I had no clue where that was when I was 10 years old, but I thought that was the coolest thing of all time. He wasn't from, <laughs> yeah. from the U.S. But anyway, I'll go ahead and wrap it up. Um, mine's a little more recent than you guys, but we kind of already talked about this team. Jawan Long with the defense. I thought he played his heart out. Didn't I kind of went the I went with the hardest player that didn't stuff the stat sheet because Jawan yeah. did not stuff the stat sheet. But when he was there in the OBC championship game and hit the runner to beat Tennessee State, he, he could step up. OBC defensive player his senior year, de- defensive player of the year. And what stood out to me, I actually got to know him a little bit. He stayed at Murray, got his master's um, in the OSH department. And so I actually had some classes with him and was on a couple group projects. And to me, I think he was a GA for the basketball team as well. Yeah. But uh so that was cool to have a little insight, and all we did—I don't think we got any work done, but we talked basketball the whole time. But he worked hard in school too. It wasn't just on the basketball court. He worked hard in school. He works for a huge construction company now uh, down in Nashville, and is kicking butt in his real-world job. Um, and so you know, he's always playing hard, always working hard. Um, those teams back then—they didn't score 80, 90 points a game like the campaign and 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 jaw moran era i think that obc championship game was like 64 62 that team did not average yeah 54 there you go so they did not score a bunch of points so you know they played really hard defense and he was the point of it always had their best player uh, Jawan long great dude great dude and man he still plays in that uh what is that tournament that tbt the basketball tournament yeah yeah and so they're always tough the stat, that, the stat that impressed me the most about Juwan, mm-hmm. all-time leader in games played as a racer. Number one all-time, Juwan Long. Really? Really? And the fact that he, his senior year, he averaged 8.6 points per game, the most of his career. But that he, wow. so he didn't, he didn't score a ton, but that he had the talent on the defensive end that impacted winning so much that he played more games than any other racer and never averaged double, double figures. Wow. I mean that just speaks volumes. That some, we should have named it the Juan Long Award. Yeah, I mean, some talented yeah, teams as well. A lot of exactly. talent on exactly. those teams. Yeah, a big time wins. Yeah. And also shout out to uh, Mr. Long. I think he just posted on Facebook a few months ago. Was expecting his first child. So congratulations to to Juwan. Very cool. Very he cool. was. Uh, I think if you talk to the coaches during you know the four years that he played, um, they would tell you how valuable he was, was that what you said, Sawyer, is so important as he impacted winning uh, and would always make the extra pass 
was going to guard the the best perimeter player every night, could make open shots. Uh, it, it was it was um, ironic that the the OVC Defensive Player of the Year hit the winning bucket, uh, <laughs> Austin against against Tennessee yeah. State, you know, yeah. in the OVC tournament. And, um, and I tell you, I really I was doing radio when he was a GA, and and uh, I thought he was going to be a phenomenal coach if he wanted to stay that that route um because he could really relate to the players um you know he he was very articulate could talk about and explain the game had a high basketball IQ and uh is is uh pr- probably you know made made a great decision to be able to go on and use his O's degree <laughs> for the, for his lifetime of but, but I think he would have been very successful in coaching yeah, for sure. He de- for sure. he definitely could have averaged way more than that eight point six two. He just sacrificed everything for the team, and that included scoring. I mean, he could he could fill it up in his own right. I mean, he didn't shoot a ton of threes, but he was a great three point shooter. So I mean, just even that sacrifice, you know, shows how hard of a player he was. He yeah. was a highly recruited player out of high school too. Uh, when Billy Kennedy signed him, um, that was a big get as he was uh, he was very well thought of and and highly recruited out of high school. All right, just to kind of wrap up the Saul selection, we had a few honorable mentions that we wanted to throw out there. Kenny, feel free to jump in and add any more. Logan, Austin, you guys the same. Uh, we also wanted to – we would be remiss if we didn't if we didn't add some guys such as Jeffrey Moss, Antoine Welchel, Tyler Holloway, TJ Sapp, as you mentioned earlier, Jonathan Farrell, Wayne Langston, his senior year, man, Austin Redding, Trey Pearson, Aubrey Reese. We know we left off – we left off your favorite. You know, don't be offended because there's been so many great racer players who just – Laid it all on the line for us. Um, we, we couldn't be more proud of them. But uh, they, they, we definitely wanted to mention some of those guys, you know, at least in recent memory, um, who stuck out to us. I, I tell you one that you mentioned that I loved that I thought was just dynamic as a player was T.J. Sapp. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was almost so, my selection. Yeah, I just I loved that kid. He he uh, you, you're talking about big, hard, and fearless. He was uh, able to make big shots. I'll never forget it at SEMO that night when mm-hmm. uh, when he got fouled, made it's three free throws yep. To, yep. to get to overtime. Right? I think mm-hmm. that I think that, that Cam had already fouled out. Right. Yeah. Put the team uh, on his back. Yeah. Just a great young man too that that uh, that wanted to you know wanted to succeed. One of the one of the players that James Kane. Uh, former racer assistant that brought in a uh, long line of, of good players that, that he brought. But, but I loved um, TJ's, you know, he was so, he was such a fighter and he just hated to lose. Um, and probably, you know, he, had he been on some different teams would have been a, one of the leading scorers in the OVC. I mean, he oh, was capable sure. of putting up 20 a night on a lot of nights. Uh mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, great selection there. I think he had 27 OVC championship game against Belmont, 27-29, something like that. Um, crazy, heartbreak ending, obviously. But, uh, Logan, did you have uh, any more questions for Coach Roth before we, uh, we let him go? I just had one more honorable mention, um, and it's actually Logan's listener of the week, Popeye Jones. Uh, we appreciate you listening and, and giving us a follow on Twitter today. He also fouled a lot, was only 10 <laughs> fouls away from being the all-time leading fouler in Murray State history. So uh, I think he's worth highlighting. He did some dirty work down in the paint. 
So, so Popeye's senior year was was my first year at, as an assistant coach at Murray State, wow. and uh, and you know there there was uh, there were there was plenty of uh, data that backed up his um, success on the basketball court, but there was also lots of rumors when we got to Murray that he had a lot of success at at you know the the local fraternity houses. <laughs> and uh and and so you know Popeye was was very well known but interesting story about Popeye was uh after his senior year uh he weighed got down to about two about 285 he played and the NBA wanted him at 260 265 and so from from March after the season was over we went to the NCAA tournament his senior year he and I met every morning for two months in the North Gym and would work out for an hour and a half. And we got another 18 pounds off of him uh, wow. so that he was ready for the pre-draft camp. And he he went to at that time, he had led the nation in rebounding as a junior and his senior year finished second to Shaq in <laughs> rebounding. Well, he got to the NBA pre-draft camp where they measure everything about you, you know, height, weight, vertical jump. And uh, after the pre-draft camp, one of the one of the organizers of it called me and I was asking him how Popeye played. And then, you know, none of that was on TV. You didn't know. And, and I said, well, how'd he do? And he was talking to me about it. And he said, interesting thing. We, we measured his vertical jump and it was the lowest they had ever measured in the history of the pre-draft camp. <laughs> oh, and and he, he had led the nation in rebound in one year and finished second the other. So, you know, that, that tells you <laughs> about the importance of, of jumping to mm-hmm. be a great rebounder. But he, <laughs> he had great hands. He had great instincts to understand where the ball was going to come off. And now I used to always kid him. He, I, he would pad about two rebounds a game by just, missing some little gimmies around the basket <laughs> where he could get it and put it right back in and he'd get two offensive rebounds a game there. What a phenomenal player. Uh, and, you know, we came in with, he was a low post player. Coach Newton had played a little more methodical uh, and we came in trying to press and run and, and it really, it really uh, forced him to be a full court player and, uh, but uh, we started that season off. We were two and seven at one time, and uh, ended up making a run and won the OVC, and then won the OVC tournament. And uh, he was—he what a phenomenal, what a phenomenal racer he was. Just and doing such great things as an assistant coach in the NBA now. Mm-hmm. So sh- shout out to to Popeye. Congratulations on being the uh, Logan Listener of the Week. Probably the biggest honor you'll get uh, for the rest of your life. <laughs> 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 that's awesome all right kenny we just want to thank you so much for jumping on with us i know logan and austin want to tell you thank you as well not just for jumping on the podcast and what you've done for us um as as young men and now as men in our lives we just want to thank you for all the insight and mentoring that you've done for us um we hope to have you back on the podcast maybe the midway point of the season and we can do this again it's a lot of fun oh yeah please uh, don't wait that long gosh <laughs> We, we got lots to talk about all year long. You guys are doing a great job, and and uh, I, I'm recruiting listeners for you all the time because it's uh, uh, 
uh, I, I really respect you guys, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and getting out there and talking about racer hoops. Yeah, Coach Roth, I've got one more question for you. Um, I've gotten to know your parents being so close with Jay over the years. And as much as I love your mom, I, I love seeing the, the pictures you put, either of her at the game or the cardboard cutouts. I think those are phenomenal. But this question's about your dad. So your dad was the captain for the Arkansas football team. And he played tackle, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, offensive so, tackle. Yeah. Um, funny you say that. So I, I was wondering if your dad could stop the defensive tackle, Jonathan Farrell, from getting home to the quarterback. <laughs> 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 oh, man, you're going back in the archives. <laughs> man, uh, you, you brought up that you love Jonathan Farrell, and we loved him, too. But just as much as we love him, we loved your call on him. We would crack up any time you would talk about defensive tackle, Jonathan Farrell. <laughs> he, he should have been one. I mean, he, he was built for football, wasn't he? I tell you, you know, his first year, he'd get in the game, and and he, he'd get two fouls in three minutes. And, you know, it was mm-hmm. – he he tried – he couldn't hedge a ball screen for anything in the world that <laughs> junior year. But what a phenomenal turnaround he was his senior year. And, uh, yeah, I think sometimes those guys – I get to run in my mouth on the radio. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't have, shouldn't have said that. But uh, you know. Oh, that's awesome. We, we, we have to have a little laugh with you. Um, those guys, you know, I just had this thought. Jonathan Farrell, Anthony Smith, Wayne Langston, all JUCO guys came in their first year, saw maybe five minutes a game because they would foul so much. Um, and then their second years, holy cow, huge pieces for the racers. Yeah. I, I tell you, Wayne Langston, you know, if he – I always said those three guys could have used a red shirt year coming out of junior college – and yeah. think of the production they would have had, you know, their last two years instead of just oh, their yeah. senior year, because all three of them blossomed their their senior years till that they were a force. I mean, they were as good a low post players as anywhere in the OVC uh, their senior years. Each of those three guys. Yeah, for sure. And I know we've got a, another JUCO coming in this year, big guy. So hopefully, hopefully he's on the same track as those guys. So yeah, I um, tell you the the um, um, the the two other post players that that are, are new, uh, Elijah Farr, one of them, he's, he's, um, he's more of a, he's, he's big, but he's got great ball skills, can really shoot the basketball at the three point line. I think he'll be a guy that can stretch the defense, but one other guy that I think that, that, uh, we're, we're going to really like watching is DJ Burns. That's the kid mm-hmm. from Southern university. Yep. And he's one of those guys, I think, when you when you walk out and, and all the teams lined up and you, you start picking guys, you probably wouldn't pick him, but he he'll he'll be on your hardest playing list. He he's an a, a, you know a little undersized. I mean six seven, two ten, probably more six, five and a half really, but but uh is always around the basketball very active and he he's going to be fun to watch he's going to give some great depth for the racers uh in the post so it'll be it'll be fun i'm excited about our team guys i think we've i think we're going to have a lot of fun 
watching this team is it's a uh, it's a deep and talented bunch, and and I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Man, Kenny, that that's great to hear your excitement, and I know the fans are going to love that as well. Um, man, well. I think we could probably talk on here for another two hours. And so we're going to save the listeners for that and save it for another episode when we have you back on. And uh, I know we really appreciate it. Uh, we love talking basketball with you. I'm sure everyone's going to love listening. And, uh, man, we can't wait to talk to you again. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good one. Holy cow, guys. What a incredible interview with, with Kenny Roth. Again, Kenny, thanks for coming on and and talking a little racer basketball with us. Um, like I said, I think we could still it could be a three or four hour long episode, but um, <laughs> we can uh, <laughs> we got to break it up a little bit so we can have you back on. So uh, I got really excited just hearing about the team. You know, I really trust Kenny's basketball uh, prowess. He's he's been around a lot of great players, a lot of great teams, a lot of great coaches in in his history and. And just hearing what he had to say about the racers for this year uh, got me excited for the season, which is just, you know, just a few weeks around the corner. So um, anything you guys saw, anything you took from 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 Kenny's interview? Yeah, I just I just love it. And I just love his passion for it. I mean, uh, he, he's just like one of us as far as he, he's a he's a diehard fan. Uh, he eats sleeps and breathes racer basketball and i just love that uh and people who you know we get to interact with you know we listen to him every single week twice a week and it just it's just so awesome to know that he cares you know just as much as we do and and i love the stories and i, I hope that uh, you know if you guys as listeners really enjoyed it let us know uh, we're trying to line up a few more guests coming up here in the future um so let us know people who you want to have on as guests um but yes i truly loved it um i can't wait for him to come back on logan what do you think yeah, um, about 45 minutes into the interview, I was really just praying that Austin pressed the record button <laughs> because we we were getting some gold there, guys. And you mentioned that he touched on the team. Um, he has great insight as to what's going on and what we can expect. We talked a lot about players from uh, his coaching days, uh, from the early 2000s and late 1990s when we couldn't really remember a whole lot. He was piecing it back together. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm a sucker for history. And so hearing all of those stories that he had to tell, I just thought it was the coolest thing. Yeah, so cool. And I know I know the listeners are going to love it. But selfishly, I, I probably loved it more than more than they did. So glad we got to do that. So, guys, I know this is another long episode, but... We had some huge news this past weekend, so we couldn't go one podcast without talking about it. I know we spent a lot of time on recruiting last podcast, and we talked, hey, are we done signing guys? Are we done with high school High school guys? No sorry. McMahon pulls out another one. A huge, huge get from where I'm at right here in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Braxton Stacker, 6'4", 6'5", shooting guard. Um, actually from Fairview Heights, Illinois, which is right across the river, about 10 miles from, from downtown St. Louis. So uh, right down 64, heading back to Murray. So uh, his family's going to be close. I'm sure hopefully they can make a lot of games, him in a racer uniform. But guys, I think we another another guy we really need to be excited about. Um, I've got some stats on him that I'll, I'll save here for a minute. But uh, Logan, I know you're our film guy. You've I guarantee you've watched minutes of his – of his max preps tape. What do you got for us, Logan? 
Yeah, uh, I dove deep. And really, Braxton just, he can do it all. Mm -hmm. He's got great vision. You watch some of his videos, and he can get out and transition and run the floor really well. He can pass. He can dribble. And uh, from his commitment video, he's got a really pretty shot. And then um, diving into some of his stats, I saw there was a game where he got a double-double. He had 14 rebounds or something. He can crash the glass. He's got great size. I think this is a phenomenal pickup. I'm really excited. And another thing that I noticed, the four guys we got, great names. We got Cornelius (laughs) um, Jackson. I love that name, especially when you put an X in there. Yeah. Uh, Braxton Stacker, are you kidding me? What a name. <laughs> Justin Morgan sounds like he's about to put out a bunch of country music hits. <laughs> I just, I love these guys. They, they've got great size. Uh, I couldn't be happier um, with our recruiting class. I know in the first episode I mentioned that uh, we would have to change and, and kind of get some more higher profile recruits moving forward and our coaching staff. They're obvious listeners of the podcast, you know, they're, they're definitely tuning in, but um, they've definitely uh, stepped up their game and it, it's really good to see. Awesome. Yeah. You guys know I'm not much of a film guy. I probably only watched two or three hours of his stuff so far. <laughs> um, so uh, the thing that jumps out to me, you know, we talked about, um, we had, we have a, a commit from team Thad. Um, we, and so you know, Braxton comes from Brad Bill Elite, um, which is an AAU program that is even at the top. It finished number two in all of EYBL basketball last year, lost to team final in the championship that has um, a guy we talked about last episode going to Memphis, Jalen Duran, also has uh, the number one recruit or number two recruit in next year's class um, on the team as well. Um, and so it's just, it shows, showcases the high level of basketball that he already plays on. He was a starter for Brad Beal elite. They have two top 10 players on their team, Brandon Miller, um, and Nick Smith jr. Who just committed to Arkansas. And he was a contributor. He was a big time player for them. Um, and he's played at the highest level. Um, he may not have been the, the premier scorer on those teams. He's, uh, like I said, he had players that are in the top 10, but, we, how many times have we seen a guy who may have been, you know, Batman to somebody else's Robin on their AAU team, but come to Murray State and been the guy? I think I can remember one. I think his name was Demetrius or something like that. So, um, really encouraging. Um, really, really have a lot to say about Braxton. As you guys mentioned, he's really athletic, but he's got that basketball skill. I think he plays uh, high school basketball for Cardinal Ritter. He's six foot four, six foot five. But again, he looks like he has some room to grow, especially put on muscle. But his body is already there, as, as Kenny mentioned about Isaac Spencer. His body is ready to go. Um, he, he's a really, really, really big guy that I think that we should be excited about. He's the focus of their high school team. You know he's getting the best defense that the other teams are throwing at him. But as Austin's about to mention, he still filled up the stat sheet. Yeah, he, he really took a jump this last year. And kind of his history – like I said, he's from Fairview Heights, Illinois, which is just on the other side of the river. Played high school basketball his first three years at Belleville East and then transferred middle of the year in December to Cardinal Ritter Prep last year. Two-time defending state champions, Cardinal Ritter Prep. And as our good friend Lindy Suter likes to say, that man's a winner. He winner. plays for – he is a hashtag winner. Mm-hmm. Plays for a winning program, and, man, he does it all for him. Saul, you're like you said – Cardinal Ritter Prep out of St. Louis. Um, 
they they win and they get some big time players. They've got some great history of producing big time talent as well. Brad Bill Elite, like you said, Darius Garland, Jason Tatum, big names that's come from that program. I mean, they they're big time. Three star recruit, Braxton Stacker, Stacker coming to the Racers, chose the Racers. Over SIU, Indiana State, Illinois State, Boston University. That's the fourth guy we're getting over big time, as Kenny said. Big time Missouri Valley programs. Got to love that. And I tell you guys, and you you guys may want to comment on this as well. Braxton Stacker, 6'4", 6'5", somewhere around in there. Justin Morgan, 6'5". Jackson Edwards, 6'6". Cornelius Wilson, Williams, 6'10". Man, we've got some height, some big-time height. That's not OVC height. That's that's something bigger. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I touched on in the, the first episode. And I, it's the first step that we need to take to move to a new conference um, is bringing in higher-level players that can compete at that higher level. Mm-hmm. And so – um, like I alluded to earlier, I'm glad that our coaching staff has has uh, went that route and you know, made some big signings this year. What I love about this is it's, it's totally different than years in the past where we've got almost a full class sign before the racers tip off their first game of the season. What that says to me, Austin, is what you alluded to last year, uh, last episode in the jaw effect. But it also provides you with the opportunity to say, hey, look, we really like you, but our class is filling up. So there's a lot of guys who are jumping on the racers now because they want to be racers. They did not want to miss this opportunity. And that just that makes me feel so good as a fan. Uh, I really like what the, what the staff is doing. Can't wait to see these guys blossom their senior years. I know they're all about to explode, and uh, they're going to get a lot more attention. Um, but the racers are going to have these guys locked down early in October, which is just absolutely fantastic. Guys, Racer Nation, you guys should be pumped up. We are. I tell you what I love too, Sawyer. You know, you make the point about signing them early. And we saw this, that recruiting class with Shaq and Jaw and Tevin. Those guys would come to the games. And that was super cool. And you've got Braxton from St. Louis, three hours away. Uh, you've got Justin from Memphis, easy two hour, two and a half hour, 245 drive. Um, Indianapolis and Beaumont's a little farther, or North Carolina a little farther. But these are guys that can come. Like Kenny alluded to, we're going to have some big-time Belmont, Austin P games. I would love to get those guys in the atmosphere. I mean, that just gets everybody excited. And, uh, you know, spots are filling up quick. Surely this is our last high school guy unless we get somebody crazy, crazy high profile. Um, but this also tells us, too, I know I mentioned a lot last episode in the recruiting segment about we don't really know what Tevin or KJ is going to do. This pretty much has to tell us that this is this is our line. I know we didn't talk about this beforehand, but signing this many shooting guards, you got to expect this is Tevin's last year for sure, at least him. I hope that the NCAA has a similar thought process as to what they're doing with football. They're allowing for seven extra scholarships for football. That could at least equate for one for basketball, right? Give sure. us one extra, please, please. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Logan, anything else before we wrap up talking about uh, talking about Braxton. Yeah, another big follow we had this week was Braxton Stacker himself. Um, we're 
just as pumped up as he is to be a racer and uh, can't wait to have him on campus. And uh, who knows, maybe someday on the podcast. So Braxton, glad to have you following along. All right, guys, thank you so much for making it this far through the podcast. We've had an absolute blast once again uh, filming this for you all. We hope you guys are enjoying it as much as we are enjoying getting to, to produce it each week. Please feel free to continue to engage with us. Um, as we mentioned last week, please feel free to call in. Um, as we mentioned, we're getting a little bit closer to uh, a few weeks from now. We want it to be an episode centered around you all. So uh, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, but also feel free to use our call-in feature, which is on Anchor. Uh, .fm under the Racer Nation uh, podcast, um, and we're super excited to hear from you all and want to continue to uh, in- increase our engagement with you, um, but thank you so much for sticking around. Logan, I'll pass it over to you. Yeah, um, this makes two really long episodes in a row, but when you have a big um, commitment and you have future Hall of Famer Kenny Roth on the podcast, then, you know, you got to go a little bit longer, so really excited i had a lot of fun this week and um this was i I feel like we're getting better this is definitely the best podcast we've done and you know this it was really cool having kenny on can't wait to do it again sometime soon heck yeah i know this is the best podcast we've done so far because i'm gonna have to do minimal post-production so that's that's the best part that's the best part but guys thanks for sticking around this long kenny thank you again uh can't wait to have you on in the future. The the, the, the listeners are going to love it. Uh, Braxton, we're excited to have you uh, commit to the racers for a, what seems like a great recruiting class. Thanks for sticking around this long. Like Sawyer said, follow us on, on Twitter at Racer Nation Pod. Just launched the Facebook, uh, Facebook fan page, Racer Nation Podcast. So hop on there. That's getting a bunch of likes. So uh, you'll see, see a lot on there as well. Um, And that'll be it. We'll see you next week. And as always, go Racers. Go Racers. Go Racers.